Morning, everybody. Great to be with you. Yesterday, uh, Jill and I um, had a real interesting experience. I don't know that I've ever had it quite the same before. Uh, probably three hours, two hours and 40 minutes in a funeral service. They were still alive. 89 years old, 88 years old. Um, they'd worked out a situation where we would come and celebrate their life, but not as if they were dead. They were alive, and they were there receiving the words of encouragement and praise that we had for them. And I think that's kind of unusual. I, I voted for that. Uh, I'd, I'd like to have that for my own life. I think that would be great. Uh, one of the things that I knew about this couple was how generous they were. They were amazing. How quiet they were. They, you'd hardly knew that they were around. Uh, how they took time to spend with people uh, that they met and they weren't rushed. Um, I loved them a lot. They gave me for over a year a place to live on the top of a plateau overlooking a, a big lake with geese flying in and out and 150 pictures or so that Jill and I have taken of sunsets. Absolutely gorgeous, just gorgeous. Um, a long time ago, um, they, had, they had decided they were going to start looking at the world around them through the eyes of Jesus. And, and I thought that was really interesting. I challenge you to, to do the same. To be thinking about looking at the people around you, family and friends and neighbors and co-workers and people at uh, grocery stores and wherever. Look at them through Jesus' eyes. And, and their work showed it. It was just amazing. Simple almond farmers. Uh, I used to tease me, almond, you know, not almonds. No, but they, they, can I tell you, they cook, they kicked the L out. So it, it was no longer, it was almonds. And uh, those, those almonds uh, were like gold for them. And his diligence, amazing. He, he had, he had paid 60 scholarships for kids from high school to college. 60. He had dug or been located over a hundred wells for people in the valley free of charge. He had built hundreds, literally hundreds, irrigation systems after he had gone to Israel and come back with how they had did it. He translated that into our situation and circumstance and he would put in irrigation systems for other people constantly looking at them through Jesus' eyes. And uh, I just loved them. They were just very, very special. I, I think as we begin looking at Jesus, the life of Christ, as we begin, begin to look, I love Mark. Mark's a great place. If you haven't been through the Gospel of Mark, uh, the book of Mark, you're going to want to do that. I love it because it's looking through the eyes of a teenager. It's a, it's a young man following after Peter, gleaning everything that he could from Peter, writing it down so we'd have it. And really, it was just a young, young man. And, and I love those, his perspective. He's action-packed. He goes after it. Uh, all the stories just kind of run together. They're short but powerful. And they're just kind of reflective of a young guy looking for adventure and looking for excitement. I, I want to share with you, as Mark shares, about what was important to Jesus as he walked this earth. Um, you and I might consider the fact that... Um, he came to forgive sins and he died on the cross. As the scripture says, without the shedding of blood, there's no 
There's no forgiveness of sin. But, but I think Jesus thought more than just the forgiveness of sin. Not, not that I'm taking it lightly because I'm, I'm, I'm a recipient of that. And, I, and because he's forgiven my sins, I've, I've le- lived without that weight in my life for, for tens of years, long time. But, but there were other things on his mind. Uh, let me read to you from, from Mark chapter 1. I'm just going to read to you four or five passages of Scripture. They're short, but they're reflective of how we feel about it. Right, right off the bat, we're seeing, we're seeing that people are really important to Christ. They were the center of his ministry. Without people, there wouldn't be any ministry. There was ministry at the beginning, as you're going to see. There was ministry at the middle, you're going to see. And then you're going to see also by what you already know that as he was hanging on the cross, he was concerned about people. He said, as he looked around those people that were there, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Listen now. Suddenly, a man in a synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting, Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Shut up. Yeah, really, be quiet. Shut up. Come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and came out of him. After Jesus left the synagogue with James and John, they went to Simon and Andrew's home. Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed and with a high fever. They told Jesus about her right away, so he went to her bedside, took her by the hand, helped her to sit up, and the fever left her, and she prepared a meal for all of them. I like that idea. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door and watched. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. He was looking at them through special eyes. Now, listen, then, then a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, he said, heal me and, and make me clean. And moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. He says, I am willing. Now, I'd love to hear that. I am willing. And instantly the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And Jesus sent him on his way. You see, Jesus was always looking through eyes that were searching for people. And he's still searching for people today. And you or I are a recipient of that. He's looked at us through those eyes that, that, that are compassionate and understanding and loving. And he's seen you who, where you are. And he, he loves you just the way you are. I, we coined a phrase at Sierra View Community Church, SVCC of the North. And we said, he loves us just exactly the way we are. But he loves us too much to let us stay that way. Amen. Think about it. He loves you exactly the way you are. But he wouldn't be content if you weren't growing in him, if you weren't becoming a disciple. A long time ago, I stopped using the word Christian because it has such a negative connotation in the world. 
And I started being called a follower of Christ. Fred, what are you doing? I'm a pastor. What do you pastor? Well, Sierra, you can be to church. Well, tell me about it. Well, I just want you to know that I've chosen to follow Christ and I challenge our people to follow Christ. Following Christ seems to be the way Jesus looked at it. Didn't use that word. He used follower as an example. Mathetes. Can you say that? Mathetes? You're speaking Greek already. See, you're very good. You're very good at that. And, and that, that, just means, that just means a follower. And, and, and I saw what he was doing. I realized that that was what he was challenging me to do and be, to be a follower of his. Now, initially, when I accepted Christ, this is the way I interpreted that. Maybe, maybe you can identify with me. Jesus, I want you to come into my heart, make a place in my life. I want you to live with me. Now follow me. <laughs> well, that's, kind of, that's kind of the way we are, isn't it? I mean, seriously, think about your life. You ask Christ to come in, and then you take off. And every once in a while, you look back to see if he's there, if he's answering our prayers, if he's concerned about us, giving direction to our life, but most often he's behind. But I came to understand that what he wanted was, Lord, I want you to come into my life. I want to follow you. And you put him out front and you do what he says. You trust him when he leads. He guides you in your life. It's really important to let him be the leader. And you be the follower. Great crowds were following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, If you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters and grandmother and grandfather. No, that's I'm adding more stuff. but, But you get the point, don't you? See, your will, Lord, not mine. I'm following you when the lives of my family and its direction for my life is contrary to where you're sending me and what you're telling me. I'm doing what you do. I'm saying what you say. And I care about where you go. I want to go with you. I want to follow you. It's a big step. It's not an easy step. It's a big step. And it's not a step that every person can take. The only way you can do it is to give the Lord the opportunity to show you where he wants you to go and go knowing that the Holy Spirit is going to give you the power to do it. Really really important. So, Before you do it, count the cost. This is something else that's difficult. Count the cost. The scriptures are pretty clear that that, that there's there's a cost for every person that says they will follow Christ. Some of the scriptures indicate we're going to be persecuted. We haven't seen a lot of that, but we're seeing more of that. And it's hurtful because you want to be a part of the world around you. You want to be a part of the crowd. And one of the things that they've said about Christians is that 
It doesn't take long for a Christian to become more identifying with the crowd around them than the Lord they're following. Hurtful. So persecuted is possible. Job, losing it, it's very possible if you're following Christ. A promotion, you may, have lo- you may lose it. Uh, it, it. The cost of, of that is, is hurtful. Family suffers. People may not sit with you at lunch or hang out with you at school. You may be bullied because of the decisions you made to follow Christ. You lose your popularity. Uh, the, the, while that doesn't sound like much, you and I know that we want to fit in. We want to be a part of what's going on around us. It's really difficult if we stand out. They cost you a grade on the work that you have done. Some parts of the world today, people are dying because of their faith in Christ and because they're following him. I spent two glorious weeks in Africa and I got to spend it with kids that were struggling. And while we were trying to raise funds and help them get into college after their graduation, Uh, My wife was working in the classroom and some of the people that we went with started visiting some of them in their their home cities where they were, others. And I, I remember them coming back one day and telling us about a school that they had visited. Didn't think much of it then. But when we got home, the day after I got home, there was a big there was a big ad in the paper, the big big front page picture of this college. I mean, this high school in in uh, in Africa where men had knocked on the door and asked the people who opened the door, are you a Christian? And they said, yes. And they shot them dead on the spot. Thirteen of the kids that they had visited just a couple weeks before lost their life because they were suggesting they were Christian and following Jesus Christ. So it is that we have to count the cost. There is a price to be paid. And the difficulty of following Jesus Christ is, is tough. You ever worked hard? Do you work hard for your money? Do you work hard for what you have? Or or do you jealously guard it because you've worked hard? It's nothing compared to what you're facing in following Jesus. In that passage of Scripture, there was a key word, um, actually in, in Mark chapter 1. Uh, when Jesus is talking about leprosy, uh, he uses a word, splagzizomai. It's kind of an interesting word. When, when I became 76, I understood why the other people that I call on that were old, older, right, elderly, were constantly talking about their bowels. I mean, I, I, I could just, I could feel it. You know, I just knew that, you know, I'd go to visit somebody that was 82 or 3, and I knew that by the time I got finished, we would have talked about their bowels. <laughs> and while that sounds funny, it was important to them. Yes. As I get to be 76, I understand that. <laughs> yeah. And splangizomai means the turning of the bowels. Interesting. It's the word for compassion. So when you're compassionate over someone, your bowels turn. Okay, so we don't express it that way, right? But we do say something like, when I saw that person, my stomach turned. I, I was nervous. I, was, I got tight in, 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 in the abdominal region. I mean, it was, I could feel it down to my gut. 
right? And so that's very, very similar to what this word means. When you look at a person through the eyes of Christ, your stomach turns. You're compassionate. You, 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 in essence, get inside of the circumstances of their life and you begin to see them the way Jesus sees them. So, so what I want to share with you today, there, there are three distinct ways, and I only get to two, but if I don't get the third one, it'll come up on the 25th, because I'll be back to speak to you again. <laughs> three things that you've got to do in order to be a follower of Jesus. Now listen to these. These, these are not easy. The first one is you've got to learn that a disciple, a follower of Jesus, touches lepers. Now you say, oh, that's a good one because I don't know any. <laughs> so, so that one's easy for me. A man with leprosy came to Jesus, begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with splangizomai, filled with twisted bowels, filled with compassion for this person, Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. And immediately the leprosy left him. And I'm thinking, you know, while it is that you and I may not know a leper, may not have experienced a man with this horrible disease, we know people like that. We know people who are set apart from the rest of us. And for some reason or other, they are, they are said to be, well, not necessarily in our way of talking, but you'll have your own words for it, they are unclean. They're not, they're not easy to reach out and touch. They're like the neighbor next door who killed my cat and hung it on the door. See, irregular people, hurtful people. We know those. And the interesting thing about Jesus is he didn't walk away from them. He walked toward them. The interesting thing, Jesus, he entertained them. He dealt with them. In fact, some of the scripture indicates from what the Pharisees say that Jesus hung out with these folks. Now, I don't know that you can hang out with those folks, but here's what I know. That the Lord, if we will give him the opportunity, gives us divine appointments with those kinds of people. Now, they're not the only ones. Okay, so... So here I am working at a church in Belfair, Washington. My wife has remained home, and I've spent a year plus with them. And I love that church. It was my, one, of, one of my favorite interims. And I was, my computer wasn't working. And so I took it to the computer shop to have it fixed, and they spoke to me about how long it would take. A couple days, they'd have to have it, and they'd overhaul it and give it back to me. As I walked out, I looked up, and I saw a small little shop in the middle of the parking lot that was selling coffees. You know those kind, right? Not four bucks, but you know, yeah. Big bucks. So I said, you know, Carol would love that. She's my secretary. She'd love, she loves that kind of coffee. I'm gonna surprise her, I'm gonna get her one, I'm gonna take it back. So I'm looking at my hands, it's got some stuff in that were left over from the shop and I'm kind of reading it and I'm walking up to the window where the, the lady's selling coffee and she says, can I help you? And I said, would, would you make me a couple of coffees? And I'm still looking at my hand, not really looking at anything particular. And, and she says, well, I, I'd be glad to, tell me what you want. And I looked up 
and it was everything I could do to keep my, my, bottom, my jaw from hitting the ground. I'm pretty good at this, okay? But, but what, I had, what I'd run into and wasn't prepared for was a bikini barista. <laughs> now they, and they have them all over Washington. They're very popular and they make lots of money. And this girl was well endowed. And it's like I was taught, I bounced quickly, right, from, from her to something else. You know, you have, you have to understand it's really difficult for a Baptist pastor to be put in that place. You want, want to see your picture? No, yeah, yeah, I got you. Amen, I heard that. I didn't get an amen for anything else. But all of a sudden, something in the back of my head said, ask her name, Martha. Ask, me, ask her about her life. So what, so what do you do? Well, obviously I work here, but I don't really want to work here. Particularly, I have two children. I'm a single mom, and this is enough money to get us by. And we talked, and we talked, and we talked, and we talked. And I took the two coffees back to my secretary, and I told her about the story, and she ripped up just like all of you. But at the same time, we began to see that God had given us a really special an opportunity, a, another occasion where we could tell this person about the love of Christ. I went back several times. Now, don't, don't you know, don't, I, I know where you're going with this. But at that point, it became something more than it became looking through the eyes of Jesus. I see this woman for a real woman doing amazing work, taking care of the children on her own who didn't know the love of Christ. And I wanted to share some of that. And I got to do that. Then I introduced her to some members of the congregation. Some things happened to change your life. And I'm thinking, oh God, you're so good. Amen. It's an amazing thing. See, there are some times when you have, to, you have to speak to lepers. When God sets up the divine appointment for you to talk to people. And, and it's the interesting thing is, really, he's not, he's not putting on you things that aren't coming your way. I mean, you're living your life normally, and God is opening the doors for you to share about the love of him. And you don't have to force it. You don't have to push it. You don't have to. It comes naturally. And it's something we're asked to do. You see, when we ask God to give, a, give us a divine appointments, when we're, when we're looking through the eyes of Jesus, people just like you become important to us. At 76 years and 42 years in ministry and having enough money to be okay at home, I don't need to be here, but I want to be here. I hated to be alone at home. <laughs> Serious. You know, talk to the two birds, the two cats, the two dogs, and the bunny. That was, that wasn't, that was, those weren't divine appointments. <laughs> here already I've had divine appointments opportunity to speak to you about the love of Christ, about what he's done to change my life and how it is that your life as well could take that shape. And then to share with you today the adventure of living that life with Christ. It is the most amazing thing. Do you realize that when you've said yes to Christ and you've said you'd follow him and he opens up the door for you to talk to people about his love, the whole realm of your life changes. I, I hope that you catch some excitement here. 
I look forward to every day knowing that he's going to put somebody in my way that I get an opportunity to tell about the kingdom of God. And it changes lives. It really makes a difference. She was working in the grocery store. And I get to see, hi, Helen, how are you today? She said, fine. Next day, hi, Helen, how are you today? She said, fine. A week later, I'm getting more groceries. I see her. I say, hi, Helen, how are you doing? She says, I'm doing fine. And then I go in one day and I say, hi, Helen, how are you doing? She says, I'm not doing well. I need to talk to you. Why me? I just called her Helen. Hi. She recognized me as a person who would say, hi, Helen. I mean, hello, there could have been a thousand more. And I said, well, I can come back. When are you getting off? Oh, no, i got to talk to you now. I said, okay, I'll wait over here. She, she, I, I waited over there about 10 minutes. took her that long to find somebody to fill her line. And she walked over, and when she walked over, I could tell that she was struggling with something because she had tears coming down her eyes. Her cheeks and, and and I knew that she was broken up about something. So I standing over there, I put my arm around her shoulder, and she looked at me and she said, You've got to pray for me. My son was arrested last night. He'd burgled several places. And he was high on something. And I don't know when I'm going to see him again. And I prayed for her right there in the grocery store. Nobody seemed to mind. I'm I'm serious now. Nobody minded. God had set that aside as a special time when the lady needed to know that somebody beside herself, big enough to deal with the issue that she was facing, loved her and cared for her. What a great message. There are just thousands of people here in this community that need to know the love of Christ. Thousands. And uh, how long is it going to take me to reach all of them? Oh, well, forever, really. But for all of us to work together, if 12 can change the world, 700, 1,000 of us working together, letting God give us divine appointments, sharing the love of Christ where those people meet, telling them about the love God has for them, where they are, it works. And in weeks, we could clear the whole town. I'm I'm serious now. I'm serious now. Being a Christian is being a follower of Christ, doing what he says, touching lepers, speaking to prostitutes, Listen, listen to what the, 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 the story in Luke about him speaking to prostitutes. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Matthew 9, 10, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why do your, does your teacher eat with these tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, it's not the healthy that I came for. None of us would be here. None of, none of us would be here. I wouldn't be here. He came for the sick. They need the doctor. And I needed a doctor. And from time to time, I still need that doctor. 
Maybe today you need the doctor. Maybe you've never met the great physician who can heal you and deal with you and speak to your heart and, and, and spread across your life the love that he has. It, okay, so the love that I have for Jill, you can find in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And she keeps me right on. She's really good at this. She'll look at me and she'll say, Fred, I did not see the love of Jesus in that. <laughs> She's good at it. And from her, I can take it. But I've got to learn. I've got to learn to take it from you too. As you share your love with me, as we grow in Christ and become a disciple, a follower of him, we need to grow. And on the 25th, of this month, I'm going to share with you how that's possible. We're going to talk about a disciple growing in Christ, being led by the Holy Spirit and empowered by God. And he promises that the same power he gave his son to be raised from the dead is the same power that you and I will receive. Are you experiencing it? Have you seen it happen in your life? Every day are you seeing the wonder of Christ expressing his desire for your heart and your life as it relates to others? Are you seeing that power? He promises it. I've never known God to come back on his promise. It's always there. So we're going to talk about that on the 25th. I hope you'll be back for that. And in the meantime, be looking through the eyes of Jesus. We start looking at those people around you. The persons that are sitting next door to you. Those family members that you know. The irregular people. The lepers. The prostitutes. I promise you this. If you do what God is calling you to do, the Pharisees are going to give you a bad time. They're going to take the occasions for you doing something that's irregular by following what Christ is asking you to do. And they're going to suggest that you have somehow messed up. Hello. It isn't the first time I've been told I messed up. It won't be the last time I've been told I messed up. And I don't care about people telling me that I messed up. I care about God telling me that you were listening to me and you did what you asked, were asked to do. Right? Hello. So we can join together in this. We can make a big difference in this community. You've got such an edge. You're wonderful people. And I love you. And I care about you. And I'm looking forward to what God has for us. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much. I thank you for these people that I'm looking at. Because I know that you know every one of them. You know them by heart. You know their hair color. You know how many hairs they've got. You know, they know, you know how, how they're, they're doing in life and what's going on. Lord, you are Lord of their life and you love them. And now we would say, yes, Father, if you call us to a special appointment, we will answer. We will follow you. We'll do what you do. We'll go where you say us to tell us to go. We'll be the person you want us to be. Thank you in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen? Amen? Thank you.